0: Hi, my name is David Hershkovitz. I'm the founder of Paper Magazine, and this is Light Culture. Listen, learn, and stay ahead of the curve as I knock heads with cultural disruptors of the past, present, and future. Light Culture is brought to you by Burb, the Vancouver-based cannabis brand. John Terzian is the nice guy. By that I mean that he's the proprietor of that scene-making LA restaurant, as well as a handful of others scattered around the city. There's Bootsy Bellows on Sunset, Santa Monica's Shore Bar, Hollywood's The Peppermint Club. The list goes on to include other cities and a growing to-do list. He's also a nice guy to celebrities, from the Kardashian clan to Drake, Katy Perry, Justin Bieber, and others who frequent his bars and restaurants and have, by association, made my guest a bold-faced name as well. From virtual obscurity, his H. Wood hospitality group grew and was raising money and expanding at a rapid clip. And then it happened. First COVID, and then Black Lives Matter, Welcome, John. I can imagine it's not too much fun to be in the hospitality nightlife business right now.
1: Thank you for having me, and uh, yeah, it's it's been an interesting
0: roller coaster. Yeah. So, tell me how you reacted. At, you know, a little bit of a you know your thinking when you first heard the news, and at first, if you were like me, uh, you you thought, well, okay, this a week of this is going to be fine, and then we'll get back to normal. But here we are, three months later.
1: Yeah, you know, I think like anyone, no one had a crystal ball. It also teaches me and hopefully others that you never know. Something might happen tomorrow that might be thrown all of our way that we just have no idea. So I definitely think it was a crazy learning experience. I mean, we had probably 24 hours to make like insanely business impacting decisions, which we did. We made swift, large decisions to close everything. And we laid off our entire company, including myself. We had to do just a bunch of broad strokes to be able to hunker down and outlast it. And I think that's, that's really the approach that we had. Um, the only thing I could say is I've been throwing a lot at life. My partner and I both, Brian and I both, kind of pride ourselves as entrepreneurs first and restaurant or hospitality second. The reason why that's important is because you just don't know what's going to be thrown at you. A good entrepreneur just kind of adapts does what they can and survives.
0: We're not out of of it uh,
1: yet.
0: No, we're not. And, you know, instead of hiding under the covers, you got to figure things out. So what is it? What have you figured out? Are you planning? Mm -hmm. Yeah, Yeah, I
1: don't. Well, I definitely don't think I've figured anything out. So if (laughs) if, if anyone (laughs) tells you that, hmm. I took about probably, I'd say two, three days of being pretty scared and depressed. Didn't really tell anyone, but kind of was trying to figure out what exactly the move is. And then you realize you got to just go forward and be positive. So for us or for myself, I think in some ways, a silver lining, it caused me to really rethink and focus on our core business and what we're good at and what we're not good at and be honest with ourselves. I think it caused me to adapt to changing times. There are things that COVID brought to light that were happening anyway. It just sped it up. We were on the track to do focus on a lot of delivery businesses or some, some fast, casual concepts. But we weren't going to get to it for six months, seven months, maybe a year. This caused us to really hone in on what works, using our marketing skills, using our broad database that we have, and do those. We launched four. Uh, we have seven actually coming out, but four you know, delivery-based you know, new menus. And you know, we were able to really focus on the, on the core business that we do well and plan and plot for our future. I don't think we would have taken that time. Yeah. So there are no. a bunch of little things like that that you do. And I think that kind of relates to a lot of businessmen or entrepreneurs in every business, not just hospitality.
0: No, totally. I, you know, we were all on the treadmill, you know, just sort of doing everything that we had to do on a daily basis to stay afloat and to survive and to prosper uh, you know, and trying to squeeze in other things within yeah. that. And this sort of flipped the script on on all of that. So the treadmill was like turned off and suddenly, you know, we had a chance to think. And a lot for a lot of people, it's been very productive in that respect. So what did you land on uh, after all of that? Do you have to close any restaurants or stop any of the developments or plans that you had or, you know, anything you could announce at this time?
1: You know, a couple of things I can say is we, it caused us to realize that our two strongest brands, our three strongest brands actually, from a financial standpoint and from a growing standpoint, were Del- our Delilah, Nice Guy, and Slab. So Delilah's our, you know, 20s throwback, our fun, live music, you know, restaurant. Nice Guys are, are, you know, kind of old school Italian feeling lounge restaurant, and Slab is our fast casual barbecue place that's centered around a famous pitmaster, Burt. And for varying reasons, you know, this this period of time caused us to realize it's our strongest; it's what we do best. And we have twelve places in LA, and rather than you know, rather than try to focus on a bunch of things at once, we're honing in on those, growing those, both stronger. In LA itself, and growing outside LA when we are able to, I don't know if we would have stopped and taken hard looks at the way we did if if you know this time hadn't happened.
0: Yeah, I understand, but at the same time, from an entrepreneurial perspective, it's uh, exciting to have all these new ventures and properties, and you know people wanting you to do things all over the place, and yeah. that's kind of a different kind of high and a buzz, right when that's very exciting and you just want to keep that going as long as possible.
1: Yeah. You know, it's tough when you're trying to make a name for yourself. All you want is for people to want you. And then all of a sudden the hardest thing is to how to say no to things because you, you know, you just don't, you can't take all on. And my, my type of thinking is I want to do everything. So it's, it's a very hard position for me. And I think this time has caused me to really focus on, being able to choose, you know, we were, we were in the middle of opening up a, a place in Miami. We stopped that. You know, we were in the middle of finding a space in New York. We stopped that. And we we're just taking our time and doing things the right way. I guess I shouldn't say the right way, but we were forced to say, hey, let's focus on getting LA back. Let's pick the right things. We might have the right partners. You know, we have Delilah opening and win. We'll focus on that being amazing and, and hit it out of the park. You know, um, those are the types of moves that we do. We have a great property for Slab in West Los Angeles, Santa Monica, that the building is paying for, you know, helping put capital in and is behind it. Those are the types of moves that we need to make versus being scattered and doing 12 different projects at once.
0: Just going to ask if uh, you think you would ever get back to that. Is 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 that still part of the master plan? Which part? To expand to other cities, other countries, keep having hotels.
1: I guess that that's what I'm saying is what we want to do is focus on growing Delilah nice Guy and slabs in other cities oh, I see uh, versus having 20 different concepts at Got all it. times in other cities you know and then look we have a great uh, we have a great live music venue peppermint Club I think at some time I think it's a valuable thing because it's the small version of House of Blues sometime again you know I don't think live music is ever going anywhere. I don't think social gatherings are ever going or It's on pause right now, but I don't think the digital age is ever going to be able to replace people getting together and actually physically experiencing things together. Now, when that comes back, I don't know. I'm planning on a full year of people being very careful. You know, there are things that we're taking our time on versus right now, you know, I want to find the next nice guy space in New York, let's say. You know, those are the things that we're focusing on um,
0: right now. So is that more of a franchise model? Is that something you would look for partners or would it be still owned and operated?
1: I think we want to operate all of it for quality control. Yeah. Always, by the way, that question is the hardest question. We get asked that all the time.
0: Okay. Well, very I gotta, scary. <laughs> <laughs> I know it's, it's, it's a tough one to, to navigate. Right? Cause you have yep. less risk, obviously, if you have partners, but then you have partners, so that's, that's the downside. I also wanted to ask about that. How did your investors react? Because I know it's not your decision alone, and so maybe it is your decision, but you also have other people yeah. involved in your business.
1: Yeah, we're at a level where we have a board, and I have, I have a, you know, a couple of main investors. and you know, Luckily, they were more like mentors and sounding boards, they were amazing. I think if I was caught in a bad situation with bad investors, I don't know how I would have gotten through it. So I, you know, it teaches, you know, anyone anyone who asks me now, it's gonna be my, my number one statement is choose your choose your uh, partners wisely because plan on the worst case scenario. It's it's the it's the age old saying. It's like you don't know someone's true colors until you're you're really in that foxhole, you know? So to me, that's been a big thing because it could have been a really bad situation. And instead, it was the opposite.
0: I'm in Montauk on Long Island and, you know, go out occasionally. And there's this whole mask thing that everybody's discussing, right? Should I wear a mask? Should I not wear a mask? And it's especially disturbing when you go into a place where there's a mixed you're waiting to pick up some food? Half the people are wearing masks, half aren't wearing them. It just leads to all kinds of unease. And it made me think about something with regard to the future, and I, I'd like to know what you think. Do you think there'll ever be a moment or at least temporarily for that where there will have like clubs or bars, restaurants where everyone is masked and you could only enter and stay? Obviously, you can drink, you know you'll have to figure out how to do all those kind of things as well but you know but where everyone is sort of in agreement that masks are a good thing and we're gonna try to maintain the social distancing even while we're in a space where there are other people around because I don't see how we could ever mix you know those two groups there's you know why should I wear a mask when the next guy isn't I'm protecting him he's not protecting me and vice versa
1: yeah well Uh, I can tell you, I'm going to start finding out tonight. We officially reopened night, the nice guy tonight, our first night. And I already know based on, uh, you know, this, this past week we did a couple of private dinners, like 10 person dinners. And I can already tell you the hardest part is from what I can tell, the majority of people are ready to be out and not be restricted to anything. They don't want to be wearing masks. They don't want to be doing anything. They want to be back to normal life. And we i as an as an operator owner, I have to be extremely protective specifically of the staff, because you know it's it's part of the guidelines. Guests customers have to wear masks unless they're seated in their in their place. And so we're going to have to stay really strict to that. if they're up and around, if they walk to the bathroom, if they're in any common areas they have to have a mask on. I do know it's going to be a challenge because they're already fighting it. Guests or customers do do not want to be told what to do they don't think they should and it's definitely a battle
0: it's going yeah, it's, on it's going on right now it's going on it's also has a political dimension as well right because it seems as though you know the yep. more you know quote conservative types are well fuck this mask we don't need this you know we're macho yeah. and the democrats feel i know it's weird I, i'm sure it doesn't break down you it's, know 100 percent like that but it it's, has that dimension as well
1: It sure feels that way. And, you know, I will say, you know, there's also a clear difference in the younger crowd. I could just see it for the most part. Obviously, this is a generalization, but it just seems to be true is the 20s age group just doesn't seem to think it's a concern at all and have complete caution to the wind. And older 30s, 40s are a lot more cautious. People with families, people, you know, there's just a difference in opinion. And my type of places have a mix of everyone, anywhere from kids to, you know, grandparents are in these places, you know, so it's, it's a tough mix, you know?
0: Yeah. Well, I didn't realize that the California rules were so specific with regard to restaurants and how people should uh, conduct themselves as far as the guidelines go, because here it seems to be every man for himself. I mean, they have signs up that you have to wear masks, but they don't really have the people to enforce it. You can't really just run around chasing everyone.
1: I'm on the county task force of restaurants here in LA. And and there's a group of us that are on it. And that's part of my thing is, is I've been, I've been kind of outspoken. I've been pretty disappointed in the local leadership of of it. There's zero clarity. There's zero um, anything for all, you know, Our mayor, our governor, no one talked to any of the restaurant owners, you know, um, and rather than actually find out how it all works and get down to really, really hear how these businesses operate and what we should or shouldn't do, they, they just kind of just operate in a vacuum. And frankly, there is no regulatory system. So one place can be just operating freely and completely carelessly and another could be following the C D C guidelines. And it's just I don't I don't see how that's fair in a no, lot of ways. Not. And I don't I don't I don't think that's good for the public.
0: No, it's just more confusion. And how about you? What is your policy? Do you wear a mask when you're out?
1: Um I do I do only because I wanna protect I represent H Wood, um, I wanna protect our staff, I wanna protect guests. In that regard, extremely careful. Our, our company is going to stay extremely careful. Our places are going to stay careful. But, you know, I don't abide by this. It seems like our city or our leadership is trying to make it that the regulations are based on telling on people or stitching. And I just, mm. I, don't, I don't understand that, nor do I believe in that. I just don't. I don't think that's healthy, you know? Another good thing that's come out of this is all, the, all of our restaurants, Owners, you know, there's probably 40 of us. All kind of know, kind of knew each other before COVID, but not really. We're all now talking daily, and we're a group text, and it's it's really brought a community together in a really good way. In that regard, people yeah. are kind of helping each
0: other. Yeah, exactly. That's great. Yeah, there are some good, you know, results out of this terrible situation. Yeah, you know, humans are pretty resourceful, and they, you know, they. I think people have figured out to some extent that cooperation. Is yep. really the best way to survive instead of, you know, competition at this, at this point right now. Then uh, we have the second thing, right? The Black Lives Matter. So did, mm-hmm. your, did you feel a responsibility to speak up about that and make a statement or in any way address that?
1: Well, first of all, I personally am extremely private. I'm barely on social media. With that said, Black Lives Matter has been extremely important to me. I credit a good amount of our success, a good amount of anything we're doing to Black culture. Black, you know, fam. There's three people I grew up with that are family to me, call each other uh, parents by you know mom and dad, and they're you know to me. I felt like I had to make a stance for our company to really make sure that everyone knew we stand by Black Lives Matters, and we need to actively change the way hospitality industry has had this racist qualities with hiring, with staffing, with kind of all of the above. And so our company is making a real active stance against that and really actively fighting it and putting in initiatives in place. My approach was doing rather than posting about it.
0: Well, you mentioned earlier that you had to lay off everyone. I assume that means everyone, right? So when you gear up again, do you, are you planning to... You know, a try to rehire these people and also to address some of these uh, you know black lives matter issues with regard to staffing and and putting people in management positions and giving black people a voice in your company.
1: Yeah, as we start looking to opening places, it's a major part of our plan and practice. Um it's not just that though. it'll be it'll be you know helping find and promote black entrepreneurs anywhere from chefs to business owners to interns. I think there's a whole range of things that we can be doing more and that's hospitality as a whole, not just our company, but I can only control what we do. But I think that people need to take a real actual proactive initiative rather than sit back and just say, Hey, you know, I only get white applicants, you know, that's not good enough. We have to go out there and actually be in the right pools
0: You've had relationships with the police, I'm sure, given that you have a club with a lot of famous people going there. And even, you know, back in your early days, I read that when you first started, you had your club was closed down as a public nuisance. How has your experience with the police been overall? Do you feel uh, that there's a problem there that you were able to identify?
1: yeah i think I think there there was a real problem that I saw with aspects of the police. It's definitely not a secret in the early years of our first place at Hwood. the police were to put it lightly extremely rough. they would handcuff me for no reason, drive me around, drop me off in a in a random part of town
0: oh, threatening me
1: really yeah yeah, yeah, all the time and to this day i what I'm guessing they wanted was some sort of shakedown in some regard. I'm not quite sure. I took it as far up as I can, ended up going to court. They all kind of protect themselves. That was the first lesson that I saw. Everyone kinda of covered each other and we ended up being in a bad situation. Now, with that said, I also believe that there are good officers. I've had a good relationship with a lot of them. A lot of our places are in West Hollywood. We have an incredible relationship with West Hollywood sheriffs, and I've had great experience with LAPD. But I will say I witnessed a good amount of rough situations firsthand, and I can only imagine how much worse it would be as a black person going through it because I could just see it with how they handle things. And I don't know if it's an ego trip. I don't know what it is, but it has to stop. And I feel, believe it's in a good situation of stopping. This whole movement has kind of shed light on some things.
0: Yeah, definitely. In in that particular club that you were talking about, was that catering particularly to a hip-hop crowd? My
1: crowd has always been a, a very large mix of people, all walks of life, demographic. I truly credit a lot of our success with Black culture, Black population, all people of color, though. Even then, part of my thinking was they're targeting me or us for things like that.
0: That's what I was thinking. I have a friend who has a bar in Manhattan who has a lot of African-Americans coming in there. And for years, she has felt that she's been targeted by the police because it's like the only bar in the neighborhood that has that kind of clientele. They're obviously great people. That's not really the problem. But she had a sense that the police just didn't like that and they were generally afraid when Mm -hmm. people gathered in that respect.
1: I've witnessed a clear sense of that. Like I said, I have had good experiences with individual cops, so I, I can't say it's personally across the board, but I definitely have seen how bad it is.
0: A big aspect of your business is celebrities. Obviously, they attract crowds, they have money. I don't know if they actually wind up paying for everything, which is something people are always curious about. Does Drake have to pay for his drinks when he shows up at your club or not? He always pays. He
1: always pays. He's family to me. His whole group is family to me. They're very close friends. The difference I think with me and our group in a lot of places is a lot of celebrities you're talking about have been actual friends of mine. You know, I grew up in Los Angeles. For whatever reason, a good amount of friends of mine became celebrities or managing them or whatever it might be. And so it's genuine relationships. They happen to be famous. And when they come to the places, it obviously gets attention. And that's great in a lot of ways. But there's a lot of stuff we do you know, extremely private. No one finds out about we are at each other's weddings or engagement parties. It's real relationships.
0: But also these high profile people also attract a lot of attention and sometimes things happen, right? In clubs and nightclubs, people are drinking. I'm speaking of Drake again, particularly because I know there was an incident in one of your clubs, right? Where there was some sort of beef that led to some, someone getting beat up, allegedly, I'm going to say, because I don't really know anything about this other than what I read. But, you know, sort of how, does, how do you deal with those kind of situations because they inevitably come up?
1: that situation you're talking about couldn't be further from what actually happened. Drake had zero involvement. just He gets named if he's around. And I don't need to even go into that regard. But bigger statement of what you're saying is I feel almost responsible for a lot of them that are friends of mine, even the ones that aren't friends of mine, because the media is so highly, it, it seems like a celebrity story matters more than current affairs now. It's really crazy. Some minor thing that'll happen in one of my places takes priority over some crazy major current affair going on in the world. And it just makes me on high alert for them in the places in that regard. And I think they have to be on high alert. It's a major reason why we're really crazy about no pictures. You know, there's no photography allowed in the places, no videography. I've turned down every reality show on the planet to film anything related to me or the places. I'll never go down that route to me, when they're in the play, they're in my place, they need to feel safe. And that's the end goal for me at all times.
0: And, um, you know, when all is said and done, Hollywood is a small town, right, where big egos are easily bruised, people know each other. The nightlife world is particularly competitive, you know, rife with beefs, gossips and lawsuits. So there's all kinds of, you know, there's a the good and a bad, as like you were saying. So you have you know, these major people coming into your clubs, which is great for business on the one hand, but then, you know, if something happens, then it gets way blown out of proportion possibly, right? So you just sort of have to learn to live with it. Yeah. Is that how your approach to it all?
1: I have the guest, in this case, the celebrities' best interest in mind first and foremost. I wouldn't be anywhere without our guests, without our, you know, our core crowd and so to me, that's my priority is protecting that above anything else. So that's how I've that's how I've kind of always taken the approach.
0: Which brings me to a point uh, that I wanted to ask you as well about what is the most important thing in a club? If you're, you know, obviously when he's open, you don't know who your guests are gonna be. I mean, to some extent in LA you do, but if you're opening in Mexico, which was one of your ideas, I don't Mm. know if it's still happening, or Chicago, you were gonna open something which doesn't have that same kind of celebrity life. What's the difference between trying to open a space in somewhere like Chicago versus Los Angeles?
1: Well, a couple things. It's not necessarily about celebrity, it's about how how the guest feels. A key is our operation, our decor, our design, our product, the food, the drinks—kind of everything that will go into it to make those guests feel special—is what I strive our company to do, um, wherever we are. Regardless of what it is, it's going to come down to the to the product being the utmost high high end as far as quality um, possible. And that's that's really all I can go by.
0: So you think you, whether you're in Chicago or Los Angeles, that's the priority.
1: Yeah, because at the end of the day, the way I look at stuff is I want anyone, whether they're traveling, they happen to maybe know my places or their brand, they've never been to any of them. I want them to know that they stepped into a distinct place. They maybe can't put their finger on it. They just know this place is special. That is my goal. It's always been my goal. And, and that's a combo of things. To me, that's the combo of, Design and decor, operations, which means you know staff and how they treat you, and product,
0: which is food and drink. Who are the people in the industry that you look up to that uh, you feel have done an amazing job? You know, before you mm-hmm. came or as inspiration.
1: I've always been a huge fan of Andre Balaz. Uh, I don't know him personally nor anything about him, but his properties. You know, his Chateau Marmont and um, places in New York and been a big fan of sean mcpherson he's a big hotelier and bar owner yeah i, Bowery him. I just saw Bowery him.
0: <laughs> <Hotel. Yep>. Big. <laughs> i'm huge, friends huge, with both of those guys by the way
1: huge, huge fan of him do not know him but i've i've studied a lot of his work those are those are two guys that i've always had a, been a huge fan of
0: yeah they used to work together too right uh yeah and sean is doing the chelsea hotel Yep. It's going to be amazing yep. as well. Yeah, so, so those guys, they both have a very uh, f- refined design taste. Is that something yeah, you I share?
1: Mean, yeah, my, my background is art. My love is design and decor and um, concepts and kind of definitely uh, share, that, share that love of them. That's why I got into all this, actually. Love bringing people together and love creating spaces.
0: Yeah, I'm kind so of surprised you, you haven't met uh, Andre since you're both LA residents for the most part. I know, ironic, but I have not. Okay, well, that's something. <laughs> <laughs> if I'm ever around in the in the city at the same time as both of you, I'll, I'll see if I can make an introduction.
1: Though Great. I know you I probably that.
0: have lots of other people who could do that as well. Uh, I appreciate that. How has nightlife changed since you started?
1: I started as a promoter um and I worked for a, a DJ AM and his manager Larry Barbara, who I owe a lot to from what I'm doing and 2004 5 6 is when I was a promoter and then working for them the real change is nightlife went from I at least can talk about here in LA a lot of the owners were just it was a shady grimy business they would slap together you know boxes of you know meaning like just four walls and a bar and no rules, kind of lawless feeling. I feel like they were all in it to make a quick buck or whatever it was. My art background, you know, I I'm, I'm come from an extreme, you know, my, my fan, a son of a lawyer and a teacher, extremely ethical and above board type people. And I always thought that there's a way to actually do a real business out of this and, and I think over time a lot of the companies have proven that not just ours but I think we're definitely one of the one of the leaders but I think it's grown into a real business meaning nightlife or bars and clubs and I, I think a lot has to do with the attention to detail for design of places the attention for the attention to drinks you know everything has been elevated to now the guests and customers expect that you know when when I first came out with some concepts it kind of blew for us, it blew people away with nightlife because it was so much attention to design. Now I think it's expected. Everyone's doing great work, you know, and I, and I think it's causing other operators to 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 really challenge themselves to do better. And the end end of the day, the customer ends up winning because people just have to have to keep doing doing better with their places.
0: And it's uh, whatever things become a lot more expensive too for that experience.
1: That's definitely part of it but that's also a part of a lot of things. Minimum wages through the roof and tax uh, uh, insurance is insane now. And I mean, there's a bunch of reasons for that. I, I, not exactly just, you know, uh, upping design and stuff, but yes, all of it plays into that for sure.
0: Uh, your basic story is that you didn't want to follow the family business of lawyers, right? You opened some, <laughs> So were you more of like, uh, you know, rebel in, in, in that respect. You also understood that there was more to life than just like hanging out in the streets, right? Because you attached yourself to some successful people right away. Uh, and, and you're just sort of figuring out what you're going to be doing in life. Is that a fair description?
1: Pretty fair description. I think I would have been a pretty bad lawyer. I, first of all, I didn't pass the bar. So that was an awful time. <laughs> no. Didn't even want to go to law school. Um, I was an art mind stuck in law school, but it was very good for me. Uh, but you know, one, I just, I had no idea what I wanted to do. All I knew was that I was a creative mind, and I knew I, I always had the, this this vision of being an entrepreneur, and I and I knew I loved bringing people together. And so, I I don't think I could be doing anything else in life than what I'm doing. I definitely have always had and still do know my own our own hotel insight creating our own hotel and, and i think that'll come one day but at the end of the day what is a hotel it's the ultimate bringing people together 24 7 yeah this has been really all i could see myself doing and so yeah in some regard a, a rebel family wise and i think they were completely confused what i was doing when i first got out of law school and you know, i worked for a dj and technically worked for a nightclub as like you know, changing out the banks and making sure the cleaning service happens you know and that was <laughs> I think my family had no idea what I was doing, but I definitely I definitely had a vision in mind I just uh, didn't know how I was going to get there
0: but you did it, right? just by going from one thing to the other and and here you are now I hear I don't know again, I'm asking because plans are in flux constantly at this point, right but uh, from what I understood, you have been Planning to launch a media division that would could go from film to TV content, et cetera. Is that still in play?
1: Yeah, we, we actually announced our first project uh, a couple of days ago. We're producing, oh. uh, we're co-producing the Magic Johnson documentary. So it was a big, big moment wow. for us.
0: Which yep. Magic is this for? Like ESPN or for him or how? Mm-hmm. What is?
1: There's only one. It's the first time he's agreed to this.
0: Damn. How- that's a, that's a, that's a catch.
1: Yeah. Well, it's taking, you know, a, I've been working, on, been working on it for a year and he's been amazing. And we announced it yesterday and, you know, we're going after, it. we have great partners on it and um, definitely something that I'm excited. And we have more to come in TV and film and um, in the media division. So yeah, we quietly launched it about a year ago and uh, we're just, just
0: kind of building up our you know, arsenal of what we're doing. Is that called H H Wood Group? Is that part it, of that? Or?
1: It's it's a division. It's H Wood Media. It's called
0: H Wood Media. So okay.
1: yeah, we have a different partner on it as well. But um, you know, there's a music side, film,
0: TV, and branding side. So it's pretty cool. And you saw the Jordan doc, I assume on ESPN. Did that inspire
1: I did. you? Yeah. Uh, I mean, it, it's, it was great. You know, we we have been working on the Magic thing for over a year, so uh, I had no idea. When we started to find out it was coming out, I figured it was good. It was good timing in a lot of ways. So, um, so we're just getting going on all the actual making of it. Uh, so, so this is with authorized Magic.
0: with Magic's cooperation, I guess, right?
1: Oh, yeah. This is him. It, it, it's, it got announced uh, three days ago. So it's, it's, it's out there.
0: One of the names that comes up in, uh, among the younger people that I speak with uh, about you and, and your group is Zach Bia, mm-hmm. who's a yep. social media star, streetwear influencer. And yep. on his Instagram page, which is kind of strange because he's got like over 300,000 followers, but he's only got three images up there right now. Uh, he lists your, your group as a contact what mm-hmm. What is your relationship with him?
1: So um, a lot of people think he's my son, which he's not. Okay. Are you a
0: mentor of his in a way?
1: Yeah. He started with us as an intern. So he started when he was at USC working, working for with me and then grew into kind of being like a right hand to me, uh, handling VIP clients, me not being able to be in 15 places at once. He started handling that. And then... I started to notice how good he was with uh, music and fashion. He started going more DJing and things like that. So now Hwood Media and myself manage him oh. as well as he is with Hwood Group. Um, and he is, he is definitely poised to be in an amazing situation, both in fashion and music. Um, and he's an incredible, incredible guy. And um, he's got a huge future. You know, he's a, he's a young, early 20s and um, he's growing tremendously daily.
0: Is management something else that you're looking into, continuing well beyond Zach?
1: Our division is, for sure. Um, I don't think, uh, I think it would have to be a very specific reason. Zach just happens to fit right in with that. So in that regard, we have a partner, John Eamon, on that that really handles that side. And, And I think if there's a real fit, maybe, but for the most part, we kind of focus just on projects.
0: I see. Yeah, because she could really, you know, introduce you to a lot of other people, I imagine, yeah. of this younger generation.
1: Yeah, but, you know, we're not, I'm not, I have some, <laughs> great, friend, I have some great friends who are managers and I, I, they, they're amazing what they do. And I think it's more about, I think it's more about us if, if there's a real fit. It's more about us bringing in business and uh, opportunities and things like that versus actually being more management. Zach just fit in with what we're doing. So it made a lot of sense. And, you know, he's like, he's honestly like a little brother to me. So it, and I know, I know his whole story and it it just was a fitting for us to do
0: that. And then there's, you have a partner, Brian Toll, who yeah. is, is mentioned always, but I only really see or hear very much from him. I, yeah. looked, <laughs> I looked online and there's very little. Uh, can you yeah. tell me about him?
1: Yeah. So, so we started it all together. We both grew up in L.A., went to USC together. And, um, you know, he oh, so had our you were promo- friends.
0: Excuse me. You were friends from childhood?
1: Yeah. Yeah. Oh,
0: OK.
1: And um, he had his own promotion company. I had mine. And on our first project, we came together. He's really a lot more on the handles a lot more of the business side. I'm more on the art creative side. I can barely add two numbers. So it's it's a good it's a good partnership,
0: <laughs> you know, so Somebody, that's definitely you know, part of it. He doesn't like to be in the spotlight. Does he come to the clubs as well, or is he just basically does yeah, his
1: Yeah, every, he's, he's everything. But, he's de- yeah, he's definitely I, – I, I definitely am much more out there doing that. But we started it all together. Uh, we have a great complementary partnership and synergy. It's just he, he likes being a little bit more under the radar in that
0: regard. With well, a Mr. Inside and a Mr. Outside. Yeah. A good one-two punch, right? Yeah, <laughs> you used you used to play football. I I assume I heard right.
1: I did, I did. I was uh, I played it. I played at SC. I was like
0: sixth string, but I was still on the team. That hey, that's a lot making the team. There you bro. go. A, there you it's, go. It's a serious team. <laughs> and Zach is also a quarterback, right? Or was a quarterback?
1: He was. That's what initially uh, bonded me with him. Was he had a he had a similar kind of mindset. He was a quarterback in high school. And, you know, went to USC and good kid wasn't you know definitely a ton of similarities and had a had a huge heart and a lot of hustle and to me that's what matters more than anything more than a resume more than a pedigree more than anything
0: heart and hustle those are two important attributes for success and i'm sure you have a bunch of that as well uh thank you very much john terzier for being on my show today thank you uh, appreciate it catching me up on all the things you got cooking
1: No,
0: thank you for having me. You've been listening to Light Culture. You can find us at shopburb.com, Light Culture, or at Light Culture Podcast. Thanks again to Burb. You can follow them at ShopBurb on Instagram. And don't forget to subscribe to and review the show. If you would like to get in touch, reach out to me directly at David Reporting. Thanks for listening.